Chapter Eight of the Submarine Boys and the Smugglers by Victor G. Durham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Chapter Eight. Benson tries his hand at humor. Holding their breath, the chums advanced. The distance was short enough, but the danger great. It was not the danger to their own lives that disturbed the submarine boys most. Both knew what a sad blunder it would be to let this pair of rascals discover that their secret was known. For it was not this pair, first of all, that Benson had been set to catch. These men were but the tools of cleverer rascals, who must be caught before any alarm could reach them. A step at a time, Jack moved. A step at the same time, Hal Hastings took. Both submarine boys were quivering from the importance of their task and the risk attached to any blunder at the present moment. Benson was about to step over Jake when that worthy turned slightly in his sleep, causing goose flesh to break out all over the young lieutenant who halted. Presently, Jake settled into deeper slumber without having awakened, nor had the skipper stirred lately, which might be all the more reason for imagining that he would stir very soon. Jake, in partly turning, had withdrawn his hand three or four inches from the butt of his revolver. Tempted more by mischief than any idea of increasing his own safety, Jack Benson bent over, quickly picking up the weapon. Then his heart beating faster, he stepped over Jake and placed a foot on the lower step. In another moment he was halfway up the steps, now he turned to beckon Hal. As Hastings reached him, Benson motioned his chum to pass on up and out ahead of him. The trap door proved to be open so little, and the danger of opening it more was so apparent that Hal had a tight squeeze of it in getting through. Once on the floor above, Hastings lay flat, reaching down and taking the pistol from his chum in order to cover Jack's escape in the event of the skipper awakening. After what seemed ages to the two quick-pulsed boys, Jack Benson was through and kneeling on the floor above. Now for the window, and to get it open, whispered Jack, in his chum's ear, as he took the revolver again. I'll stay here, and make sure that the skipper doesn't hear something. Wake up and charge through the trap. I think a bullet, even if it goes wild, will cause him to duck below again. Hal presently had the window up, having made no noise, sufficient to disturb the sleepers below. He crept quietly out, and Jack, after glancing in that direction, tiptoed over and soon was on the ground outside. Close the window, Jack directed. We can't leave it open, or they would at least suspect that someone had been prowling. So Hal closed the window, while Jack Benson slipped Jake's revolver back into his pocket. Then the pair stole swiftly away, for it was well past the coming of daylight, though no one appeared to be astir in the little village. Their course took them directly to the pier, at which the Grant's gig usually landed. A single blast on his whistle, and a wave of the hand to a sailor on the deck watch 
was sufficient. Within three minutes, a boat's crew was seen to tumble up on deck, then over the side into the gig. The oarsmen bent lustily to their work. Jack and Hal, having hardly spoken and then only about the freshness of the morning, took their seats in the stern sheets of the gig. Very soon they were on board. They went directly to the miniature wardroom after having locked the outer door of the passageway. Oh, wow! exploded the young lieutenant, his dignity flying to the winds for the moment. He rocked back and forth in his seat as he produced the revolver and the box of cigars and laid them on the table. What's the joke? asked Hal, smiling. You're unusually thick, if you don't see, Benson replied with another chuckle. You're in just one box of cigars. You don't smoke, and you have a contempt for those who carry firearms when they don't absolutely have to do it. Besides, there are plenty of weapons on board, as this is a warcraft. The cigars you can only present to such of the sailors as smoke. Don't you see the point? Don't say that you don't, begged Jack Benson going off into another spasm of laughter. I didn't mean this as humor, but it has suddenly struck me that it is a rich joke. I'm in the dark, sighed Hal. Why, see here, chum, old skipper Redbeard missed the box of cigars before he lay down to sleep. He hinted that Jake had stolen them, didn't he? He threatened to take that up with Jake as soon as he awoke. Now, when Jake wakes up, he'll find his pistol gone. The skipper had been roasting him about being too afraid and depending too much on his pistol. What will be Jake's first suspicion? That Skipper Redbeard took it away from him while he was asleep. The skipper is already angry with Jake, and Jake is going to boil over at the skipper. Each will deny the other's accusations. The skipper is a bull-headed fellow, while Jake is sulky by nature. Can you see the royal amount of heart feeling that there will be between them? Again, Jack laughed. This time Hal with him. That was the only reason why I took Jake's pistol, Jack continued, just to start internal war in the enemy's camp. Oh, my! I wish I could see and hear the row when it opens. The door from the stateroom passage opened, and F. Summers bounded in. What are you fellows making all this racket for? grumbled F. It has cheated me out of a good hour's sleep. Mr. Summers, demanded Benson, stiffening, is this the proper manner in which to enter the presence of your commanding officer? At attention, sir replied Ensign Summers, straightening up and saluting. A grin overspread Jack's face, whereupon F. dropped into his own chair. "'You've been making purchases on shore, I see,' commented F., eyeing the cigar box and the pistol. "'No,' replied Hastings gravely. "'We stole these things.' "'From the enemy, the smugglers,' Jack added. "'Haven't you two been the busy little boys?' commented Ensign Summers. Then you've really seen the smugglers. Have we? 
demanded hal jack tell him about it and especially the way in which you have divided the smuggler's camp against itself eph listened he began to grin when he heard how the cigars and the pistol came to be on the wardroom table that'll start a row all right between skipper redbeard and his man friday agreed eph Summers. I only hope it doesn't turn out to be such a big row that they separate, and then Redbeard doesn't dare smuggle any more smugglings, for fear that said Jake will go back on him and denounce him. Jack's face became instantly grave. He whistled. Then gradually his face cleared. No, I don't believe their row will split them, he went on. Both are probably making far more money at this job of theirs than they could make in any other way. So they'll hold together, but each will be more suspicious of the other after this. They won't work in harmony with each other. Like you, F., I don't want to see that pair split for the present, not until they've led us to the really big offenders in this game. How about breakfast? asked Summers, glancing at his watch. You're in uniform. Hal and I should be. Jack replied, rising. F, while we're dressing, will you kindly see the waiter and tell him what we want and that we want it as soon as it can be cooked? While the waiter was passing in and out during the meal, not one of the three boyish young officers mentioned the smugglers. Pistol and cigar box had been locked away in a little cupboard on the wall. But after breakfast, F. suggested, I wonder if the cigars are really any good. I know some folks to whom we might send them. So do I, replied Benson. To the Secretary of the Navy. Does he smoke? I haven't the least idea. But the cigars will have to go to him as evidence of what we have secured. If they are cigars, suggested Hal mildly. By Jove, you're right about that, laughed Jack, rising and going to the little cupboard. Although it's a cigar box, we really haven't taken the trouble to make sure that it contains cigars. He brought the box out, placing it on the table, and with a knife blade pried the lid up. Cigars all right, nodded F. Cigars, yes, Benson admitted, but we don't know that they're all right. The only way to find out laughed ensign summers would be to try one on a sailor a sailor is a fine fellow but no judge of cigars smiled benson as he tapped down the box lid a sailor will smoke anything even a piece of tarred rope and you two had all this fun on shore and never let me in on it grumbled f there had to be at least one officer on the boat benson replied if you do anything in the matter today, begged Summers, can't you let me have a hand in it? Certainly, promised Jack dryly. Just now I'd be obliged if you would go up on the platform deck and sit under the baby awning there. I want to write a letter. The instant his chums had departed, Lieutenant Jack went over and seated himself by the typewriting machine. Putting on a sheet of official paper, the submarine boy began a lengthy letter to the Secretary of the Navy. In this he stated fully what he had learned to date and suggested very respectfully 
that if it met the views of the authorities at washington secret service men might be sent to boxhaven to trace all express shipments sent out from the shanty the preparation of this letter took some time jack addressed the envelope then put in the letter sealing it his next step was to wrap up the cigar box addressing that also to the secretary of the navy then he rang for the waiter my compliments to mr somers and ask him to report f came in saluting you wanted a hand in today's doings jack hinted yes sir all right all we're going to do will be to mail this letter and this package to the secretary you may detail a sailor to carry the mail bag for you and see to it that these two articles are mailed say isn't that a bit of a messenger boy job for an officer of the navy asked somers not at all when it is necessary to make sure that these have been mailed the matter is so important that i don't care to entrust it to any one below an officer's rank oh that's all right then murmured f but aren't you going to take any other steps whatever today not before dark there is nothing that we can really do f found the grant's mail pouch and secured letter and parcel inside the pouch he turned over to a sailor to carry i may as well go ashore in uniform suggested f that's as you please nodded jack so f was pulled shoreward in the gig jack very sleepy glanced at his watch discovering that it was now ten o'clock what's the use of being commander officer he yawned if i can't send myself to bed until luncheon time but at that moment hal hastings entered holding out a yellow envelope a shore boat brought this off hastings explained i signed for it tearing open the envelope and glancing at the telegram he discovered the message to be in the ordinary code of the navy drawing out his code book pencil and paper jack benson fell to translating while hal napped in his chair phew muttered jack when he had finished and glanced at his translation what's the matter asked hal waking up just what we had been expecting jack replied pushing the sheet of paper across the table hal read these words bearing also the signature of the secretary of the navy expense no longer justified by results proceeds to norfolk navy yard there report to department end of chapter eight recording by john brandon